Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 16 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm so glad that you've taken a few minutes out of your busy schedule to listen to today's episode. I'd love to hear from you at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com or on Twitter at yank underscore on. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you'd consider sharing a link with your family and friends. Today, my guest is what one might call a footy renaissance man. That's, that's the term I'm going to use here. He seems to have done many of the things that one can do in the game of footy. And I would like to to welcome Terry Degani, the founder of the Blue Abroad fan channel and the host of the Blue Abroad podcast to the show. Welcome, Terry. Thank you very much, mate. It is an absolute pleasure to be on the show. I'm I'm was glad that we were able to to set this up. Um yeah, I've listened to some of your show as well. Yeah, I'm not a Carlton fan, but uh I like to listen to how other people go about doing things, and uh, you put out a quality product on your podcast, and it's uh, I'm looking forward to listening to more of it. Thank you so much. It's it's a bit of a shame because I, I somehow stumbled across your Twitter page before you had started the first episode, and I remember having a conversation with you trying to get you on board, but it was apparently it was too late. You had already chosen your team. Yeah, I well I had actually chosen the team a couple of years ago. Um oh. and it it yeah, I oh that that was yeah, I I I you know, I became you know, my my favorite player is uh, Nakaya Cockatoo and who knows if we'll ever actually see him play in a Geelong jumper again. Um yeah, cuz he right. can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah. So you you started the 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 Blue Abroad podcast back in 2017. How did how did you decide to go about actually starting a podcast what what gave you the the fire in your belly to do this yeah well i guess the the concept of having a carlton podcast was always there not necessarily a podcast but something where i was talking about carlton and consuming carlton content um i had moved overseas i was living in china at the time and then subsequently moved to israel uh, at the end of 2017 and you know I didn't have any friends didn't know anybody um, and I was I'm a massive Carlton supporter as you have come to know and um, I remember listening to a Gary V podcast and he was talking about the app Anchor where you can record anything off your phone upload it to Anchor Anchor will then distribute it to the podcast platforms for free and I said to myself well there it is bang there's a light bulb moment um, and the podcast really just began from there as audio. And then we, you know, moved into video in 2018 and then, you know, YouTube at the end of 2019. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, you know, with the current situation with self-isolation, it's a, it's a good time to have a, a digital sort of footprint and something to talk about in a platform. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm actually using, uh, I use Podbean for this, for this podcast, but I'm using Anchor for a podcast that I set up for my students at school since we're not going to be back in school until at least May 1st. And I'm not sure if that's yeah, wow. even going to be, if that's going to be conceivable or not. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you said you were, you said you were living in China. Now, mm -hmm. if I, if I read, if I read correctly and I, you know, from the information and we'll get to where I, I got some of this information from a little later, you're, you're an attorney by trade. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, that's right. My, so my life. Okay. Yeah. My life. Yeah. So how did you end up in China as an attorney, if I may ask? So, you know, I went through the normal path as a, a kid goes down here and I guess throughout the world, you know, pick 
pick one of the 25 or so careers that you're going to choose for the rest of your life and sort of go down that path. And um, my final year of high school, I decided that I wanted to study law. I loved it as a subject and it's what I was interested in at the time. And so, and that was a big deal for me and my family. None of my parents finished school. And so it was a big deal for someone to go to, to college or to university. And so I did that practice for three and a half years. And then it was probably at the end of year three that things changed within me. I, you know, the world changed, the internet took over, the social media started taking over. I started seeing people creating a life for themselves just through the internet, talking about whatever interested them. And I, you know, found that fascinating. And I hadn't done a lot of travel as well. So there was a little bit of an itch that was burning there. And I decided uh, after year three, my, my best friend was in China already teaching English at a school. And he basically said, hey, we need one more teacher. Are you interested? He knew that I was, I was sort of contemplating a, a change up in life and, and doing something different. So I took a punt and uh, went and taught English for a semester in a small town called Yixing in the Jiangsu province. And that, that, that is how I, I came to be in China. Okay, so you, so it wasn't necessarily dealing with your law degree at that point in time. Then okay, okay, because I I was trying to wrap my head around. Okay, he went to went to China. I'm not, unless you, I didn't know if you were working maybe at a consulate or something of that nature um, while you were there. So that was that was what, yeah. where my mind was going at that point in time. So you yeah, it was you just taught more for you, experience. Okay. Okay. What was your what was your best experience when you were in China? What What's the most memorable thing from your time there? So, so I mean, it was funny because I hadn't traveled a lot. And then, you know, the magic of when you move away, all these random things happen while you're away. And I was obviously away for you know six months at that time. Um, and I visited Shanghai for a bit. And I bumped into, uh, I got connected to a guy who was a director of a, an events company in Shanghai who were in charge of organizing the AFL China game. Now, in 2017, that was the first year that they had played the game in China. And they basically needed someone to follow around Port Adelaide, who were the, I guess, the initiators of that, um, that concept. And so I was, I spent two weeks in Shanghai following around Port Adelaide. And that was really, I guess from a career perspective, I wanted to have, I've always wanted to work in sport, didn't know what it looked like or what specifically, but that was really the foot in the door, so to speak. And so okay. that, that two week period where I was just literally on the team bus with the players every day inside the, you know, the football club, so to speak, even though they're overseas, um, that was, you know, that's just something I cherish forever. And I go back every year to volunteer at that game. Okay. Um, obviously not this year. Not but, this year, um, yeah. Yeah, that, not this year, but um, yeah, that was probably one of the more memorable uh, experiences. But, you know, also I fell in love with uh, the concept of mentoring and teaching and looking after, you know, young children and, and, you know, being responsible for them, you know, learning English and social skills. So, yeah. Terrific. That's, I mean, I, I had no, I had no idea about the, uh, the, the the Shanghai game. I mean that that's very cool that you're able to to be involved with that. And it you know it's unfortunately it kind of makes sense as to well none of the games are scheduled at the moment, but uh, kind of makes sense that that one was put on on hiatus for for this year just to be on the safe side. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah. Now, getting back to your podcast for a minute, uh, who would you say you is your and I because I have not looked through your entire list of, of shows. Who would you say has been your biggest guest that you've had on your show so far? Ooh, my biggest guest. Oh, so growing up, my first hero was Anthony Kudafides. Um, now he was a Carlton legend, and he actually went to the same high school that I did. Um, and yeah, he he had been long retired when he ended up doing an episode with me. But yeah, it was it was so weird because I was clearly an adult when I spoke to him and. The you know when you're a young kid these sport heroes of yours are almost supernatural, and so mm -hmm. to be able to then be I was 26 or 27 at the time to be able to talk to him it was <laughs> it was a normal conversation but there was a little part of me where the inner fat kid little small fat kid that was four or five years old was just chuffed <laughs> so you were yeah, just that yeah. was that was definitely you were giddy that was definitely yeah. my favorite guest cool. oh you have no idea <laughs> I, I I can imagine that's uh yeah. I'm 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 still working on getting somebody like that, and it's uh, you know I don't I I've I've put out a couple of feelers, but I haven't heard anything back from people. Um, so who is your who's your dream guest? Who are who who are you hoping to get? Not somebody that you know. I don't yeah I, I'm not, I don't not trying to put you on the spot and say well who's turned you down and said heck no I'm not coming on your podcast. But who who do you who would you love to get on there someday? Um, you know it's it's interesting. I want to, in terms of a player, I want to get, I want to speak to our captains. We have two, Sam Doherty and Patrick Cripps. Um, mm -hmm. But my my dream guest, fantastic question. I think the president or the CEO. I want to talk to them because, um, you know, I want to I want to bring a. What I'm trying to do is here is really bring a fan engagement layer to this with what I'm trying to do, and so to have the ability to talk to someone at the very top about our club who runs the club at an executive level. And obviously I'm, you know, I play a role as well in the club in being a, a supporting paying member. I think right, that would right. be a really good conversation. I think it'd be a great conversation. And, and let's be honest, I think they might have some free time right now. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So now, now would be a great time to reach out and say, uh, Tuesday at four o'clock, you've got nothing going on, right? Okay. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because a lot of the players now who don't generally, you know, talk or react too much to people that are talking to them are very much open and willing to have a conversation. So it's, um, it is, it's, it's obviously unprecedented times, but within that comes the opportunity. Right. Well, I, I haven't run into any of those players yet. I've reached out to a couple. <laughs> I've re I've reached out to a couple of them. Um, I, yeah, I one. I, you know, I live uh, about an hour away from Cleveland, Ohio, and Matthew right. Delavadova. Matthew Delavadova plays for the Cavaliers. You know, he's a. I believe he's a Collingwood fan. And I, I he is yes. Yeah, I'm not certainly not trying to put him on the spot at all. But I, I reached. I sent him a a DM, and I, I. I don't know if he reads his DMs. I'm sure if you're somebody who has lots of followers online, you probably just don't even look at that part of your Twitter feed. Um, but I, I did send out a note to him, um, but would love to get him on to talk about, uh, you know, basketball here in the States as well as, uh, as well as the pies. But uh, yeah, we'll see if that happens, but maybe I need to, you know, I'll have to start being bold and maybe reach out to some people that I would think that there's no chance that they'd want to come on and maybe I'll surprise myself. 
Who knows? I think out of every 100 approaches, you might get two or three or four yeses. And it's those yeses that are the quality there, I think. That's ter- That's that's a great point. That's a great point. So you said you, uh, um, your 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 biggest get was uh, Anthony Kudafidis, and you you remember mm-hmm. you were watching him when you were a, a little kid. So what 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 is your yeah. earliest? What's your earliest memory of footy? What's the thing that you look back on, you know, twenty five years ago and go, oh yeah, that was great. So my first memory of footy is really the reason why I became a Carlton supporter. It was my first experience that I can recall of that joy and elation and excitement. You know, our great game is predicated on an energy in the atmosphere that is just something I haven't seen in too many other um, sports just because of the nature of how it's played. It's very gladiator type um, in the way that it's played. But I remember... Um, so Carlton's home ground, historic home ground is at Princess Park. It used to be called Optus Oval. And I remember going to a game there. I would have been no older than five years old. I don't remember the actual optics of the game and the score, but I remember we played St. Kilda and I remember the roar of the crowd. And it was, I, I just remember, you know, being immersed in this noise and energy and it really just took off from there. Well, that's, that's, that is something I mean, that is a great um that's a great thing to be able to recall because you know if you're 5 years old you you know if you're depending on where you're sitting you probably had a bit of a difficult time even seeing the field um you know mm-hmm. do you remember who do you remember who took you to your, <laughs> do you remember who took you to your first game yeah it was my mom so okay I went with my oh mom your, your mom took you friends okay yes of course yeah okay. my mom was a Carlton supporter okay so yeah Terrific. Yeah, that's uh I think the the first I remember the first professional game I went to was in nineteen sixty nine. That's uh, wow. I I was I was six at the time. I it wasn't like I was an old man then. But uh yeah. It was uh <laughs> and it was a uh it was a game in San Diego, California. And I my uh my uncle actually had friends that lived in San Diego and about two years later I got a Christmas gift from him um, that had a a poster that had hung in a bar near right near the state right near the practice facility for the Chargers that the entire team had autographed. So I have this this poster that the entire team from nineteen sixty nine or nineteen seventy has autographed. It's one of my most prized possessions. Um, it's uh, oh, I bet yeah, yeah, that's very really very cool. cool. I just I, unfortunately I don't have a den or a. Uh, a, a room to hang it up in because we're we're in a relatively small house. Maybe when maybe when we retire and get the kids out of the house, that'll happen. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that 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 experience there is what led you to become a Carlton supporter. That that crowd noise yep. and and realizing yep. you know getting home and realizing they won the game. That was uh that's what that's what led you to to doing that. No, no uh. No wavering on that. The the trips to China with the game hasn't uh, hasn't pushed you into Port Adelaide's direction at all. <laughs> oh, look! It was far too late by the time. Oh, I, I know, had, uh, I know. <laughs> gone and spent some time with yeah. Port Adelaide. Yeah. But but I will say this: uh, I did a podcast with um, another guy uh, who does uh, a YouTube channel, and he actually said like a hypothetical question, and he said, "You know, if Carlton don't come out of this situation, which we know they will." But if they didn't, what would you do? And I said, well, 
I do have a soft spot for Port Adelaide now. And um, I mean, I've met, I know them on a personal level now, the players, the admin staff and whatnot. And, um, you know, when they're on TV, I'm watching with a different level of intent now. So I do have a soft spot for them having said that. <laughs> well, that, that's, that is, that's a great point. Yeah. And I'm, and Carlton's going to come out of this. I hope everybody does. I mean, that, that was one of the things I talked about last week, uh, looking at some of the news stories that there's all this speculation about, uh, our team's going to merge. Are we going to have another, you know, Fitzroy and Brisbane situation arise, you know, are these clubs going to, you know, I've heard, you know, people have been mentioning North and St. Kilda and, you know, sending teams to, uh, to Tasmania. You know, I, I hope everybody is able to just stay right where they are. I hope, you know, I hope when we come out of this yeah, deal. Look, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's the priority, the first priority, because we've just, I mean, we've just really, we've, I mean, we're only 10 years away from, uh, or eight years away from the recent inclusion of, you know, um, the second last and then the last expansion team. They're, they're yeah. still pretty new. Right. GWS have obviously been around for enough time now to make a grand final, but, you know, we just started growing the game to 18 teams. Okay. So okay. I would okay. hope that, hang on. Hang that on. they will last. Hang on one second there. Did, did they really make a grand final last year? I know there were some guys in their in their well, jump in their jumpers there. Was that really them though? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a fizzle, yeah. wasn't it? It was yeah, a tough it, grand final to yeah, watch. It was, it was. And Richmond was just yeah, you know, they they were they were a machine. And I you know, I before everything happened here, I, I pick you know, even though I didn't pick them at the top of the ladder, I picked them to to, to win another premiership this year because I just think they they, they may not have the best players. They sure play pretty well as a team. I mean, that's you know they. Oh yeah, yeah they, they've got a system in place. Yeah, yeah, they're um they're great. They've got role players, yeah. but they've also got you know upper echelon superstars. So yeah, full full respect to them. Yeah, it's uh it is a uh it's a great it's a you have to respect you know a team that that plays that way. Even if you don't like them, you have to respect them. You know because you know they're absolutely. Yeah, I mean I and. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. Yeah, I'm, I feel fortunate in a way that, you know, I came into the, watching the game so late that I don't have that deep seated hatred for another club. You know, I'm, I'm told that being a Geelong fan, I'm supposed to hate Hawthorne. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, I like watching Tom Mitchell play. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's a, it's a sure. Okay. When we play them, I want to win, but I want to see, you know, I like watching good football regardless of who's playing. So, yeah. Yeah. Wait till there's like a, wait till there's like a fight in a game or when some other player from a Hawthorne, for example, does something really untoward to a Geelong player and then watch all the, um, watch all that anger build up inside you. It's a, it's a great part of the game. Well, and it's sort of been stamped out as well, the fight. But um, it does bring out the the hatred, which is part of the game. Yeah. Well, didn't didn't they, didn't Ben Stratton get suspended last year for for what pinching uh, Fantasia all throughout that game? I mean, he came out looking like a pincushion, um, like somebody had been poking he him did. with needles and that whole game. He did. Yeah, and it was no, no, he certainly did. And it, I, I guess I've never, I had never actually noticed somebody doing that that sort of thing before but it i'm sure that sort of thing happens if you can get in the opponent's head to mess with them and take them out of their take them out of their element you know 
So oh yeah. yeah, and look, it's like I said, we get we see less and less of that these days. The way the game's going, yeah, it's been it's been you know it's it's almost been regulated to where you know defenders are almost hamstrung, really limited in terms of what they can do. You know they've they've tried. You know they have been continually trying to open up the game for. Uh, you know, to provide more offense. That's something I, I mentioned last week. Uh, it was an article that uh, I read that David King had talked about, you know, trying to do things to help open up the game, you know, even more. And I was, you know, I said, you know, be careful what you wish for, because the NFL did this here in the States to where, you know, the, the defense is extraordinarily limited in what they can do. And, you know, we have, you know, countless penalties showing up on things that, that for decades of the, of the game were never penalties. And it's, you know, it's really put the defense mm-hmm. at a disadvantage, you know, and I, and I, I, that's why I mentioned, I said, are we going to get to a point where, you know, the, you know, the defenders are not allowed to jump. You can only have, you know, six people inside the defensive arc, you know, what are they going to do to try to, you know, to, to limit this? And it's, I think they, they're going to find themselves getting into trouble if they, if they do something like that, that it, they're going to get some un, unintended consequences from that. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's a big debate because. The game, many people um, want the game to stay as traditional as it is, and some would argue that it is a different game to what it was even 10, 20 years ago, which it, it probably is upon looking at it. Um, but, you know, it's it, you also, and I'm also someone that believes in, um, you know, evolving and innovating, um, particularly with the trends of, sport today with you know people's attention spans are just not what they once were and if you want to grow this game this is a long long it's a war you know it's it's a game of fruition and who can last the longest in some sense right, so right. um there is an element to that as well and you know obviously we've we've cut the quarter short this year due to you know the circumstances and now the talk is we're probably going to keep those shorter quarters but um then all of a sudden you're right we're talking about another change and who knows what that'll bring yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, if they shorten the quarters, you know, are they going to try to make up so they, you know, you end up with triple triple digit scores by you know limiting what the defense can do? Who knows? Well, yeah, there's all. I mean, I think in any sport, coaches will always find a way to find a defensive scheme. Um, you know, that will take over the game. That's the whole point of being a exactly, coach, right? Yeah, exactly. That's like you know. You know, if if to carry this into other, you know, into other sports, what are we going to have? You know, are we going to have boxers that, that alternate rounds, you know, holding their hands, you know, at their sides during the round? OK, you beat the snot out of me this round and I get to beat the snot out of you next round. Without you punching back at you. Yeah. You know I mean, what's what's going to happen here? It's oh, we need more offense. We need we need more punching. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. hundred yeah, percent. I don't know. hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know that 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 that. That's maybe that's not the best analogy, but that's the one that just kind of popped into my head right there, you know. And just no, I like you know, it. <laughs> one, I wanted to just mention one other thing with regards to, uh, you know, podcasts before we move into some other things, you know. And you know, I've I've only been doing this since December. I'm I'm very new to this, you know. Mm-hmm. Have, you know, have you run into any pitfalls or any problems with you know? And I didn't realize that you had started your podcast actually when you were in Israel. I mean, that, that was a surprise to me. But looking mm-hmm. at the timeline of some of the other stuff that I have on my list, it kind of makes sense. But have you run into any problems that you have had as a podcaster that you've thought, okay, how am I going to go about 
making this better or fixing this mistake that you've had? Oh, plenty, plenty. I mean, you've got to have the mindset of, um, you've got to have the mindset of knowing that what you put out is not going to be your best work, especially in those first few months, first few years, really. Um, so for example, with, when it was podcast, we were, you know, recording on anchor, um, the audio would always be out of time. Um, and then when I started doing video, actually, I've got a really good story. When I started, when I got back to Australia and again, I don't have, I don't really have, I didn't study media or journalism, um, or anything like that. So it's all self-taught, but I bought a, a flashy DSLR camera and uh, the Carlton Footy Club were really good enough to let me interview some players. Uh, I did three of them last year and the first one was really good, good interview, camera worked, audio worked fine. And then the second one, I interviewed a, a young fellow named Tom DeConning, who's our up and coming Ruckman, mm-hmm. uh, highly rated up and coming Ruckman. And the interview was fantastic. We touched on some really key themes and, and all of that. And uh, what happened was, I don't know how I did it. I don't know what I did wrong, but I did something wrong. And I put the, the SD card into my laptop and there was no sound. And the interview was basically, you know, null and void. And look, it, it's a challenge because the club are not going to be giving me interviews every right, week. Right. And obviously, as a young channel trying to, trying to grow, you know, you've got to take those opportunities. So what I did was um, I turned the... I remember you could sort of hear the audio just not good enough. It was terrible quality. And so I turned the interview into a written article and posted it on LinkedIn. And then Tom was good enough to share it on his LinkedIn as well. And it got a little bit of traction there. So, you know, there have been some some pitfalls and whatnot, but the the, the name of the game is adapt. Right, right. And, you know, when something goes wrong, figure out a way to improve it. I mean, if you look at the YouTube channel, for example, if you go to the very first few videos, the thumbnails are disgraceful. And <laughs> I haven't changed them and I've done it on purpose. <laughs> I've done it on purpose because, I, you know, it's good to look back and see the improvement. To show that, to show that um, progression. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And I'm not really someone that gets too embarrassed by, you know, putting myself out there. And I think it's an important lesson that you should, you know, you should be willing to put yourself out there and, be willing to, you know, take the criticism and take it on board and, and get better from it. So, um, you know, yeah, there've been many situations where I've just made blunders. Yeah. That's I, my, that episode I told you about it, to, you know, I don't even know if that was at the beginning of the recording or if that was before we started recording here where I had one that the, the audio was all out of sync. And I just said, I don't know how to fix it. So I'm just going to leave it that way. And here's what it is. And if you listen to it a couple of <laughs> times, you'll figure out which question went with which answer and, You'll probably be you'll probably be okay. So when you yeah, when you were growing up, you know, did you play footy as a kid? No, funnily okay. enough. So when I was growing up, my mum my mum wanted me to play didn't want me to play footy because it was too <clears> rough. <throat> um, so uh, she put me into basketball because obviously you can play basketball, you know, any season of the year and and all of that. And so I played basketball for 20 years until I got to an age where, you know, I was always a massive Carlton fan and a massive footy fan, but I developed a love for basketball as well. And so, you know, once I, I was fortunate enough to win, you know, titles, I played a lot of senior basketball and sort of won a lot early on. And so it got to a point where I said, well, I really want to have a crack at playing footy. And so I played for a a club down here called the Thomastown Bears, and we won a premiership in my first year with well, them. So I was gonna, 
could imagine the experience. I was going to, I was, what, yeah. a, what a debut year. Well, I was going to, I was going to get to that because uh, not only did you win a premiership that year, you kicked the game winning goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So it was the, um, the, the preliminary final the week before the grand okay. final against, and, against, um, yeah, it's a very against famous Whittlesey, story. Against Whittlesey, life. correct? Uh, correct. Against Whittlesey. That's very good research well, yeah, there. I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. The, the person that I spoke to sent me a screenshot of the score. Um, so I knew who it was against. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I, I did, I did find, I did find the Bears website and was going through that yesterday, but a lot of it is under construction. Um, and I went to their Facebook page and nobody had been on their Facebook page in, I believe, nine years. So I didn't think my prospects were very good at reaching out to anybody on there. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, very much a very localized club, um, but a great club nonetheless. And I've got some phenomenal memories. Okay, so how long did you play with that that group? Okay, two years. So that that was the two years before I moved overseas. Okay. So yeah. So you you've actually you've actually only played then for two years overall. I mean, have you did you have you played since you've come back? So through. So, uh, well, three years overall, I should preface that by saying when I was 18, I played a season of footy for a club called St. Mary's while I was playing basketball and um, it was just too much for me. So after that year, I stopped playing. But um, yeah, three seasons of footy. And then when I moved to Israel, um, I don't know if you count this as playing footy, but we, you know, we, we did create a few teams there and had some, you know, little competitions there. But in terms of here in Australia and proper competition, three years okay so what what led you to moving to israel so two weeks before i was meant to come back to ch from china my girlfriend at the time was we lived in melbourne together and i went to china and she stayed in melbourne she's a journalist and you know obviously had some very important work to do so it was just more of experience for me but two weeks before i was meant to come back she said hey I just got a job offer in Tel Aviv. You know, what do you think? And I said, absolutely, let's go. I mean, my mindset at that time was I was completely, you know, fresh and unlocked uh, in a sense of what was possible. And I just said, let's go. You know, if it doesn't work out, you know, we'll just come home. Um, we'll go get our jobs back and, and just come home and we'll be okay. And, and that was really the catalyst. Okay. Um, didn't know how it was going to work. I'm not Jewish. I don't have family who are Israelis. I don't have any connection to the land. Um, and so it was really starting fresh, not knowing anyone, but yeah, that was really what, what led to me going, you there. know, right up and right up until you said that you actually went along with, uh, with your, your girlfriend who was a journalist to, to Israel right up until that point, this, this was starting to sound like the plot line from, uh, the, the TV series, Jack Irish, where, you know, he's an attorney, his girlfriend's a journalist. She left and went overseas. He didn't go along. Well, you you sounded that. I don't know if you've ever watched Jack I, J What's it Jack called? Irish. What's it called? It's got Guy Pierce. It's it's an Australian I show. Haven't... Yeah, okay. I, no. I, I watched it. I've watched it here. Okay. But it, yeah, the premise behind it is he's an he is an attorney and his girlfriend is a journalist who ends up uh, moving to the Philippines actually, um, and then ultimately on to India as well. So, see so how long were you in? Uh, yeah, it's actually it's actually a fun series. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get it. On has, to it has. Uh, sure. I I ran into it because it has one of the uh, the actors that was on the series from a number of years ago called City Homicide. Um, they had mm-hmm. uh, one of the guys. He's an indigenous actor, a guy by the name of Aaron Peterson, who I liked him on City Homicide, and I found him. I found him on there um, and thought I'll I'll watch this one and. I guess Guy Pierce is a Geelong fan, so um, he'd be he'd be great to get on my show. Uh, so you were in Israel, and you, yeah, he would be. So did you did you end up working while you were there? Did you find a a job there while you were? I know I know you were working with some clubs and you know yeah, I, establishing some footy clubs there, which we're going to get to in a in a second here. Um, but you 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 guys got established and things things went well for you while you were there. Yeah, look, I was. Uh, it took me 19 days to wow. find work. I found, uh, yeah, it was a fascinating story how it all happened. But um, yeah, I started working for a, a sports tech company called Hype Sports Innovation, where we basically ran accelerator programs for startups in the sports innovation space, and worked a lot with with you know sport clubs from around the world. And um, really, it was you know very validating because you know I'd obviously taken a big risk and. Um, I mean, can you imagine day one of getting into Tel Aviv, not knowing anyone or anything, and then deciding, okay, I've got to go find work. Where do I go? So um, the journey, you know, started from me just walking into the, the local district court to find an English desk to someone overhearing me trying to find an English desk to saying, hey, what are you doing? And me saying, you know, I'm just looking for work. And then starting a, a conversation with him and then he introduced me to a friend who introduced me to a friend and the web sort of started, the networking web started from there and then I ended up, yeah, on the 19th day, I I found, uh, I, I got the job offer and um, yeah, look, it was, yeah, very, very interesting time for me because it was very much, it was fight or flight. It was very uh, instinctive and, you know, there was a time limit to how long I could last there without work before breaking down and having to come home and so, yeah, it was, um, it all worked out for the good and luckily enough found a really good company, a startup, and we did some great things and um, had two amazing years together. And, um, you know, these are these are stories now that I have, you know, that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And, you and, and you know, you as you said, you're wanting to work in sports. So you, you've continued to network with that even, you know, now you're on you know, three different continents doing that. Um, that's I mean, that that's that's amazing that you're able to do that. And uh so you're you're in Tel Aviv. You're 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 trying to learn the lay of the land. You've got a job, and you 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 notice that there's no you know there's you know, there's not any footy there, and and there's not footy in a lot of places. Although it's it's growing. Um, so what what led you to helping to establish? You established first the the, uh, the cheetahs, correct? Was that the first club you came about? Yeah, okay. that was the first team that we started. Okay, so. I, how did that come about? So again, moving to Israel in Tel Aviv, I've got no friends. Um, when I was in Shanghai, I had bumped into and found the Shanghai Tigers, which was a an expat created footy club. And you know, I did a training session with them, and again, that just sort of opened my eyes to you know, wow, this is the coolest thing ever you know the footy boys footy culture footy club training on a tuesday um that kind of thing and so my first port of call when i got to tel aviv was well if i'm going to make friends i'm going to kick the footy around i had my footy 
Um, and so there used to be a team. There was a there was actually a a peace project um, called the Jerusalem Peace Lions back in 2008, where some former AFL players came to Israel, and the idea was to have some Palestinians and some Israelis play and form a team, teach them how to play, you know, right, as a right. peace project. And that sort of died a little bit once everyone moved out of Jerusalem and everyone was scattered around, and so there wasn't a lot of action. Um, and so I connected with the Facebook page. Um, they sort of said to me, Hey, we haven't, you know, we, we're not training at the moment. We haven't trained for a while, but you know, we might get back soon. And then it came a time where I said, all right, well, who wants to come for a kick? And there were two other people. Um, and so, you know, we went for a kick of the footy on a, on a Monday. And I remember getting there and seeing for the first time, the ball being kicked and just, you know, buzzing at seeing it. And you know, three people became four the next week, four people became seven the week after. And before we knew it, we had, you know, the Aussie expats were getting around it. I was just like a kid in a candy store, you know, because I was just excited. You know, I was making friends. Right, right. I was kicking the footy around and, you know, doing do, doing what I love to do. And it was really, you know, footy is a part of our culture, especially yeah. in Melbourne. And um, so, yeah, and then we ended up growing to like, you know, we had training sessions where we had, 27, 28 people okay. at the session. And it was like, what is going on? It just grew so quickly. And then, you know, we decided to um, enter a team into the AFL Europe competition, okay. the Euro okay. Cup. And we also decided to start a team. And so we, you know, brainstormed and um, we had a, a guy by the name of Sheer who was the a local Israeli that had fell in love with footy and had played a little bit with that previous team. And, he was the captain and the manager and uh, did a lot of great work. And then we brought another girl on board as well who did a lot of the off-field admin marketing stuff. And then there was just me who was, you know, the coach and, the, you know, the ball of energy at training, which I think probably rubbed off on the others because they saw how energetic I was at training. And I think that's where we worked well together. And so lo and behold, the Tel Aviv okay. were born. And I was going to ask you that – I was going to ask you whether or not you had – you were able to bring on board any uh... – any Israeli players or if it was just all expats. So it looks like, it sounds like you had at least one or two then that, that joined up with you then. Oh, we had probably oh, half terrific, the group terrific. were locals. Um, yeah, because I mean, Israel is very much an outdoor culture right. given the heat and where we trained, it was, you know, there's basketball courts next to us. There's, um, you know, a lot of outdoor activities happening and a lot of people walk past and sort of look at us and say like, you know, what is this? Like, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? What is this game? And, um, you know, it's so funny having the conversation and then trying to differentiate that it's not rugby. Yeah, that's... Um, it's Aussie rules. Right, and It's right. cold football. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, it's been... And so, it is, yeah. It has been that with, uh, you know, even here, you know, and, and there are dozens of teams playing here in the United States, but, you know, you know, I'll I'll throw on a game on the television in my classroom before school starts and, you know, I've actually had, you know, kids who come in now looking forward to watching the games and they were all excited about the season starting this year. I had kid, you know, kids who were setting their the DVRs on their television so they could record games to watch them and well, lo and behold the 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 games are gone. Um so how did the uh you know, so the cheetahs were established, how did the dragons come about then? Well, you know, it was it was an interesting time. Um what had happened was we had a little bit of a drama. There was a bit of a power struggle. 
Um, you know, the beauty of Israel is that the collaborative environment, but also that the curse is there's a little bit of culture of, um, you know, this is my stick. You can't okay. play with it. And um, sort of between me and between me and the other two sort of managers, if you want to call us of the group, um, there was a bit of a rift. They felt like, um, you know, well, what happened was we, we got national exposure in Australia. We had um, we had a, a do you, are you familiar with? Nick well, Van I was Nui? going to I was going to bring him up because I was going to say, you know, you know that I uh, said that yeah, I had it on good authority that you had a. Uh, an AFL superstar that had you know visited your club, offered some tips to the to the Cheetah team. Yeah, yeah, Nick Nat was there. Yep, absolutely know who he is. Yeah, so yeah, so he came, <clears throat> and you know we had you know some television exposure, and we had Channel Seven do a, a feature on us, and you know obviously the hook the hook for them was the Aussie who had gone to play footy and help build a team and whatnot, and that caused a bit of a rift and. It was probably, in hindsight, it was a good thing because what it meant was, you know, we had this situation where it said, okay, well, the cheaters are established. You know, I'm going to separate from you guys. We're going to start another team. So the South Tel Aviv Dragons were born. And, um, you know, we, we ended up having a, a, you know, a really good team there. And what, what that ended up meaning for footy in Israel was that we had a competition uh-huh. for the first time, particularly in, in Tel Aviv. You know, we had two teams. And then, um, you know, we had a round robin competition where we invited other Aussies from anywhere in Israel to come and play and just form okay. another team. Um, and so, in hind- look, it was obviously a difficult time, but I, I did get the feeling at the time that, you know, this wow. is gonna, it's, it's more than just about me and my indiscretions and, and whatnot. This is about the, the game growing here. And um, I'm pleased to, to know that the South Tel Aviv Dragons are still – up and running and they train every Wednesday and just train every Monday. And, you know, um, yeah, that, that, that's the main, the main thing there. And I, I did know that there was something happening that was bigger than, than me well, and, and the others that were having a bit of a dispute. And, yeah, and I, you know, sometimes and I, I found a, a you know, the article that I read, I found a quote that, uh, that you had, uh, you had made that, uh, that they had posted in the article where you said, you said, quote, I've been really amazed at how receptive the guys are to my advice. Obviously, this is a foreign game, a foreign movement to them. Yet any instruction and guidance that I had to offer were always received very well. And that's something I'm very grateful for. So, you know, you helped to set the, uh, you really helped to set the, or plant the seed, if you will, to grow that game there. So, I mean, that's, you know, and you had mentioned in our conversation off air that, you know, that you were very pleased with what has gone on with the Dragons and how successful they've become. Um, So it's a... uh, it's it's great, you know. So you you yeah. basically helped to create two clubs there, and that's something that you know you you should you should take a lot yeah, of you should I, take I a mean, lot I'd... of pride in the fact that that happened. No, thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I do, I do take pride in in the in the role that I played. I think everyone has played a role in in, in the situation. I, I think I think the most important thing as well. I mean, obviously, you have footy clubs and you have a, a social gathering. And a lot of the expats, the Aussies who have, you know, been born in Australia and grow up with our game and then move to Israel, they sometimes lose that identity of, you know, being Australian. And so for them, it was sort of a reconnection with their Aussie side, um, you know, because a lot of them, you know, they make Aliyah, you know, it's, it's a very honorable thing in, in the Jewish, um, you know, community to go live in Israel and return to the motherland and, so yeah, I, I do take a lot of pride in in doing that and and playing a part in that. And 
I've had so many conversations with people where it's like, mate, thank you so much. You know, I, I missed, I didn't realize how much I love this game. And, um, but the, the, the bond and the connection of, of a footy club is just something that it's just, you know, I've got goosebumps talking about it now. It's just, it can't be replaced. Terrific. It's so that, important. I mean, that's, that's great to hear. And it's, you know, hopefully, you know, people who are listening in the States to this, you know, will hopefully that helps to instill in them that what they're doing here to grow the game here in the States as well is, is equally important because, you know, it's, it's, there are more and more teams every year that are, that are popping up. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there are almost four dozen teams around the country right now. Um, you know, in, in, yeah, there's, I think I there are, that. there are three right now here in Ohio where I live and there's a fourth that I believe is getting established. Um, the closest one is, uh, an hour away and I've not been up there yet to, uh, to go see what go. I, I will not be going out and, and kicking the ball around. I'm, I'm a little old fat man. I'm not, I'm, I'll go watch. I'm, I don't know. Nope. Nobody wants me out there kicking it around unless they all have their, their, their cameras going on their phones. Cause it's going to end up being something that shows up on Twitter. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wanted to go back real quick to, you know, something that, that kind of tied back into your, your time with Thomaston and, and, uh, I was told to ask you about, uh, your experiences on the footy show, which, uh, you know, I've, I've heard that this is a really good story. Yeah, so when I came back to Australia, um, the the footy show is an is an old Australian staple now, which is unfortunately it was um, it was axed. It was ended after twenty six years of broadcast. And on the final episode, they had a grand final show as they do every year before the AFL grand final. Um, and my old footy club, the Thomastown Footy Club, the boys got in touch with me because they had entered into a a quiz competition that was being run by the footy show. Um, and we have a, a big, I guess you call it a Ferris wheel, but it's an enclosed one where you can fit sort of 18 people into each pod as it goes around. And basically it was a quiz on the, the history of the footy show. And there were about 10 of us there. Um, we had to answer the questions within doing one rotation of this Ferris wheel, which took about 25 to 30 minutes. And um, there were, I think there were, 15 or 16 other local footy clubs who entered and the winner who, you know, obviously answered the most uh, correct, uh, who had the most correct answers, I should say, uh, they won $20,000, which was towards the footy club. So, you know, we, we put our answers in. Yeah. So we put our answers in, we get around. Now we don't, we, we get around one rotation, we hand the paper back and we've got to do another rotation. And then how the game was set up was, as you come back to the bottom, if your pod, like it stops mm -hmm. for about 10 seconds, if your door unlocks, it means you've won the $20,000. So we didn't know how many answers we got correct. We didn't know if we'd won. Um, once we had handed the papers back, we got our phones back. So we got to check some of the questions from memory. And we realized that we okay. had a few that were wrong, um, but we thought we had a chance. And then you can imagine the elation when the doors opened and we've won $20,000 cool. for the footy club. Um, and you know, there's a re there's a really cool video clip of us all reacting. I might, okay. I might send it to you. Um, so you can I have, have a look not, at it I'll see, if, I'll see if I can find that but, and I'll um, put that, yeah. I'll put a link to that in, in the show notes. If I can find that, um, I'm just jotting that down real quick on my, on my notepad yep. here on footy show. Okay. I just want to make sure I touch on that real quickly. 
Now, um, I had a couple of other things that I wanted to ask you about here before we we finish up. And I and this one is, you know, I'm it's one that, uh, you know, I and I'll, I'll mention at the end here who helped me with uh, some of this information. But uh, I, I, I've I've heard that you have what some people call to be an unhealthy obsession with Mark Murphy and Chris Judd. Um, yeah, I, I mean, have, have, there, have there been restraining orders filed or anything like that? Oh, mate, uh, you have, it's, it, look, I, I can confirm, I can confirm it's, it's an unhealthy obsession with, with both of them. Um, Judd was obviously a West coast champion who made the transition over to Carlton. And when he did that, that was massive for our club because it put us on the map. You know, we had the best player in the league. Um, and Murph was, you know, the young kid who, when I was 14 or 15, he was drafted. And, you know, so for me, that's when my memory starts kicking in. And then all of a sudden, there's this young gun midfielder. And then, you know, in 2011, he really broke out and had, you know, his breakout season and was voted as the AFL. He won the AFL's Coaches Association Award, which was a massive deal. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, he won, he was, he was, awarded with a nom- uh, an all-Australian jacket mm-hmm. as well. He made the team. And, um, yeah, it was just sort of the validation because the team was up and coming and he was part of that rise. And so, he's you know, he's been my favorite player ever since. And, um, yeah, I, I just okay. yeah, yeah. I, I love them all. But the Judd and Murphy memories are just something else. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's pretty sick. You know, it's, 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 okay. it's okay to, you know, to you know, to, to have a, a a favorite or two. I mean, there's n- there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, and and you know, it seems like you know, in just the, the handful of years that I've been watching, there tends to be you know, players tend to to stay with clubs in you know, a little bit more than say, in you know, in some sports here in the United States where where you know, players move with I think great much greater frequency. Um, so you know, you get you know here here. Yeah. Here in the States, you know, a lot of people talk about how they, you know, you know, uniform uniforms here, like in the NFL or in Major League Baseball, you know, it'll have the team name on the front and then it'll have the number and then the player's name on the back. And a lot of a lot of people here in the States will say, well, you know, I I cheer for the name on the front of the uniform. Rather, you know, so I'll cheer for the, you know, the Cleveland Browns rather than a particular player on the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think with it's a bit unique with, with our game as well compared to the NFL because obviously the helmets, um, you know, you can't identify too much right, who right. the player is while they're playing. Um, whereas we obviously, you know, we're very exposed. You see their faces. And um, I always found that interesting as a, as a, as a um, comparison to the NFL. And, and, you know, it obviously affects their marketing. It doesn't affect oh, their salaries because they earn a very they do, good dollar. Yeah. But, um, they do. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and we touched on this and you mentioned it yesterday or last night or the night before when we were talking, um, how is the AFL evolution too? <laughs> oh, mate. Is it? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know, we, we as a sport, we, we need a game. We need a, a video game to grow because that will – be, and that's this is my opinion. Uh, I think for people internationally, if they can play this game and figure it out and say, "Hey, this is cool," that will attract them to watch the game. Um, now, 
granted, the graphics are not fantastic. It doesn't compare to a Madden or mm-hmm. a FIFA or an NBA 2K, but um, it's a good enough game. And I'm really enjoying, you know, obviously I've got a YouTube channel, so I'm enjoying, you know, creating okay. content based on the game. It's allowed me to do that now because there's, you know, there's storylines that I can do now. We've got a series coming out where I'm taking one of our lesser known players who have just recently been drafted and bringing him up and developing him and until okay. we win a premiership at Carlton. So, yeah, I, um, you know, it's, it's I, good uh, fun. I'm hoping to get it at some time, but I, I, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a, uh, an Xbox one. My, I have my son's old Xbox 360 that he left here when he headed off to college and it, uh, it died uh, about eight months ago. And, uh, yeah, I've got my youngest is still in college right now. My my oldest, he's he's graduated. He's got a job now. Um, he's an officer in the Navy, so he's uh he's off doing his thing. But my youngest is only in her first year of school. So if I could find a uh, a used Xbox One, maybe I might be able to persuade my wife to let me pick one of those up. Because um, I would really like to, I would really like to try p- to play oh, this. We can have just yeah. Oh. We yeah. Have <laughs> well, that's the thing. I've never, you know, I've, I never played. I've, I've never been good enough to, I'm, and I don't play it often enough. To, I've never been online or played with the, you know, the, the Xbox Live. I never did that sort of thing. My son would do it for hours on end. You know, I would hear the uh, the discussions going on way too late into the night. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would love to give it a shot, <laughs> but it's uh. Yeah, it may be a bit of a pipe dream for, for me being able to actually pick up one of those uh <clears throat> one of those um uh, consoles. I think I'd write it right now. I think I might rather have a uh a mixer to help, you know, help my show sound just a little bit better. Um that may be the next thing I want to do before I yeah, before I invest no, in something like else, it. yeah. Yeah. No, so cool. I I think stay we've cool. covered everything that we had on the list here and I I did want to um I did want to let people know I uh after I had I'd been talking to Terry about setting up this interview, I, 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 I reached out online um, and I actually found his sister online. And I actually, I went to your, your Facebook page and I, I reached out to her and I sent her a, a, an instant message on, uh, on Facebook. And I'm, I'm sure this, you know, here's somebody on the other side of the planet that's reaching out to her. And I'm, I'm not sure if she's thinking that it's some kind of a scam or I'm some crazy person or something like that. But, you know, I, I sent along, you know, you and I had a rather lengthy discussion on, <laughs> on DM on Twitter. So I took screenshots of those and sent those along. So she knew that I, that I wasn't just making something up. And I said, yeah, we're going to be doing this interview. Is there li- any little tidbits of information that you could, you could provide? So um, I did want to give a big shout out of thanks to your sister for helping me with, uh, with, you know, some of the questions that came along with this interview. Um, I was so glad that, uh, that you didn't just write me off as being some kind of a crazy person. And it was, it was great to be able to discuss some of these other topics that I wouldn't have known about. Um, but you know, Terry, I, I appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. Um, I want to, I want to get back in and listen to some of your episodes. Oh, the one thing I was going to ask you before we go, what are your, um, what are your go-to podcasts? What are the yeah. ones that you like to listen to? Or in in general, because I I listen to a couple footy ones, but I, I listen to a lot of other ones as well. Yeah, well, okay. I'm a massive Bill Simmons fan. Um, so anything anything the ring, and he's a really one of the inspirations for me in, in doing what I do as well. He's part of it, part of the part of the canvas for me. But yeah, anything Bill Simmons does, anything the ringer, 
I'm really enjoying um, Up in Smoke or All the Smoke with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. I'm really enjoying um, listening to that at the moment because it's very raw and it's it's very real and I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy Zach Lowe. I enjoy uh, Woj. Um, basically, all the podcasts I listen to are okay. American okay. and basketball-centric. But yeah, though, and I mean, I do listen a little bit to Gary V when I... I go in waves with Gary because he's always sort of giving me the same message, but sometimes I need to hear it. So yeah, I do okay, enjoy that's his, fantastic. his uh, yeah, energy. I'm, I'm I'm more into true crime stuff. Uh, <laughs> actually, it's kind of where is where my stuff. Where my yeah, I have a ah. couple of true crime ones that I listen to. <laughs> but uh, terrific. Again, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, ladies and gentlemen. My my guest has been Terry Degani, the uh, the founder of the Blue Abroad fan channel and the host of the Blue Abroad podcast and i want to thank you for coming on tonight for this episode terry i hope you had as much fun as i did no i, 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 I appreciate so you taking time me. out of your day because i know it's the middle of the afternoon there and uh yeah i'm i'm gonna get this downloaded and head to bed here pretty soon uh <laughs> quite frankly but uh yeah fantastic okay i've got a few games well, of that, yeah. to get down here <laughs> oh, yeah I, now now i'm jealous and, and you know because now I feel bad. Okay. Maybe you could live stream some of that on YouTube then. Okay. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on. I did want to let you know that I have provided a link to the Thomastown Bears winning the $20,000 on the footy show in my show notes. I hope you'll enjoy that. I want to thank Terry Degani for coming on and being my guest on tonight's episode. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can find all the episodes of this podcast at a yankonthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Now that you listened, I hope that you'll consider giving me a review at that provider, and I hope that you'd consider sharing it with your friends. I'd love to hear what you think I'm doing well and what I could do better. Don't forget that you can reach me at a yankonthefooty at gmail.com as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on as well as on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of two of his great pieces of music. Mr. McDade is creating some fantastic music, and I'm thrilled to be using the two pieces, Winter's Mist and Elevation. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com music. Again, thank you, Mr. McDade. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you. Because while many of us are fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of the game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. And as I mentioned in the last couple of episodes, we are at a strange point in time in the history of mankind. I hope that you and your family stay safe, that you do the things necessary to help protect yourselves, to protect your loved ones, your elders. Keep in touch with them. Give them a phone call. Be tolerant of one another. Be kind to one another. Listen to the professionals who know what's going on and are going to help us get through this thing. All right? And ladies and gentlemen, again, I truly appreciate you listening. And may your dribble kick never, ever hit the post. I'll catch you later.
This has been episode 16 of A Yank on the Footy, my interview with Terry Degani. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please consider sharing a link to this podcast with your friends and family. Goodbye.